Hey, this is Scott Hartnell, and you're listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio. everybody to another episode of Music City Gold Off-Season Edition. We are part of the Penalty Box Radio Network and guys, we are knotted up 1-1 as Vegas took game one and Capitals took game two. I'm your host Kyle. With me as always are my co-host Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey guys. <laughs> I'm laughing because Matt is so hyped for this episode. He must have had like three coffees yeah. beforehand. What is that you're drinking? <laughs> oh yeah. It's a double shot. Double shot, baby. Yeah, he, he is jacked up tonight, so <laughs> the, the viewers out there, or the listeners rather, are in for a special treat, because Matt is going to be dropping the best nuggets of knowledge tonight. If he's not a diva about it. We spent the first like <laughs> yeah, I mean, five minutes before we even recorded him adjusting minutes. his mic it's and then his 15 hat. 15 minutes. We wanted to get started at 8. It's 8.30. Well, we took a few minutes to play HQ. If you guys have, don't know what HQ is, it's an app on the phone that basically does questions, and we took our knowledge of trying to get a... Was it a hundred thousand dollar prize package? Hundred thousand. We sucked tonight. We got what the question seven and we failed. No, something like that. Yeah. Stupid. But hey, congrats to the uh, four hundred thousand people that won and got twenty one dollars a piece. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of ridiculous tonight. A lot of winners, but oh well. So guys, playoff hockey. <sighs> it's here. The finals. Well, it, playoff hockey's been here for a while, Kyle. But the finals. Yes. Have been fantastic, and oh, I think yeah. they've been better than people expected them to be. Oh, yeah. You're either on one side of the fence, you know, you're either still discrediting Vegas somehow still. I, I don't know how you can still be on that side. It's jealousy. It's pure jealousy. Then you have all the, you know, the people wanting to see Vegas or thinking Vegas is going to do really well because they, you know, manhandled the Jets. And then turns out we got a great series. And let me tell you, game one. Awesome hockey. I, we were all up here watching it. And I think Matt jumped off the couch three times. <laughs> His wife was mad at him. She just wanted to snuggle, and he's like, no. I mean, you're like, you like, no, you're like, quit touching me. Don't the game's get on. off me. <laughs> My hat's on backwards. It's time to party. No. It's fun time. Fun I'm time. not snuggling. Get out of the way. <laughs> Excellent game, though. It was a fantastic game. Ten goals scored, boys. Ten goals. <laughs> Crazy. What would you have said at the beginning of the year, and you said you're going to see a game one Stanley Cup final with ten goals scored? And, and a changes. record of four league change Four, not four league, but four lead changes. Dude, right. it was like when one team scored, the other team had the response, like instantly, which Vegas has done well at that all year. Winnipeg series especially. I tell you what, the cap, for the Capitals to be doing that against Vegas, the, the goaltenders got lit up. Both of them did. Flurry mm, had a couple mm, soft ones, and Holtby had some soft ones. It was not really good from both of their camps. So I expected them to tighten down a lot in game two, which they did. Game one, you cannot ask for more end-to-end action. One of the best games I've seen all year, for sure. That game was so fast, and I think it was part of the fact that it was they had, both teams had a lot of rest, so they came out, you know, guns blazing. Sure, we saw a lot of turnovers back and forth. That's the one thing I did notice about game one. It was so fast that each team could not seem to keep a hold of the puck, though. And then the goaltenders, like you said, got lit up because what are you going to do? You know, skate all the way out of the crease and <laughs> leave a gaping wide-open net. Yeah. Multiple times. Yeah, I was pretty mad about that. Yeah, Matt had to stay off Twitter for a bit because his boy, 
Flurry gave up a couple goals in game one and game two. W- game was the two egregious offense. Where uh, we'll aggressive. talk more about that later. Uh, Matt literally just shut Twitter off because he was so upset. And of course, we heckled him the entire time in our group. Of chat. course. But the one thing I love about a lot of people, you know, of course, don't know us personally, but we're all a very competitive group of, of people, whatever, whatever game we play, especially like volleyball, hockey, whatever it can be. And playing several sports with Matt, especially volleyball, he has a nice little patented move he likes to pull out when he's doing really well. <laughs> ah. You know, call it the weed eater. The weed eater. <laughs> he get it out. He'll make a good serve. He'll be like, nun, 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 nun. Then we put it back in the shed where it rightfully belongs. That's right. It's kind of like my, my celebration move. Yep. Generally, but, once he does this, the opposite effect happens. So if he's trash talking a team, normally the other team comes back and scores a goal, which is exactly what happened in game one. So it was kind of funny, hilarious. We were going back and forth. It's great. It's great to pull like, you know, uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov's type move, do it right in front of Matt. Oh, my God. Last night, Kyle roasts, absolutely roasts Matt in the group text because (laughs) we we finally were breaking through. We were talking about the goal, uh, the the flurry goal where he's completely out, and Kyle simply replies with the crane celebration. (laughs) And Matt absolutely hates this Sally and Matt just goes dark for another five to 10 minutes. Like he can't even talk. <laughs> we knew, okay, he's done for for the next 15 minutes. He's getting heckled on, on uh, our group chat. He can't even go on Twitter. So bad night, but whatever your boy has an off night every once in a while, but plenty of league news though going on right now. Let me tell you the Kessel runs what's happening there. Well, apparently Phil Kessel trade talk is that he may be out of uh, Pittsburgh soon. So I wonder who'll pick him up, boys. Well, I saw him on a boat today on Instagram. Apparently he's fishing somewhere. So maybe fishing apparently for he's a new line. He's he's apparently not too worried about it. <laughs> so it's funny. My uh, my CIO at my company is a huge Penguins fan. So every time every time he comes down to Nashville, we always talk hockey. And the first thing I asked him was, I said, "What do you feel about the fact that the Capitals beat Pittsburgh this year?" He's like. I hate it. No, really? Like, River. After how many times they've beat up on the Capitals in the second round? No. I don't even want to hear it. You just won two straight cups. Don't care. And I asked him, I said, so what do you think about the fact that Kessel might be traded? And he said, you know, I know that he wanted to play on the same line with Crosby and Malkin, but he's totally cool with Kessel being shipped somewhere else. I mean, at this point, his value is yeah. the highest it's ever been. So if you're looking at it from a Penguins perspective, more than likely you're going to get something pretty good in return as as far as draft picks or future assets. So this might be the time to offload them. Who knows? I, I don't know. It'll be team, interesting to see. But what team needs a right winger? A right winger that is overweight and eats hot dogs. That is the better question. I have no idea. But yet somehow Phil Kessel defies all odds and still rises up to the challenge every year. Maybe Toronto needs him. That's the only thing I can think of. Maybe help those Leafs get over the hump. Give them that veteran grit leadership. I don't know. But anyways, next thing we got on our think- docket here is the league is finally bringing third jerseys back, boys. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. I was very excited. Very excited about this announcement. I'm pretty confident they have not confirmed that every team next year will have it yet. Correct, right. Kyle? Bill Daly said that their NHL State of the Union basically is that one-third of the teams are getting them. And there was a image released on Reddit that gave about 19 teams that are going to get one. Unfortunately, Nashville is not on that list, but you can't confirm or deny until it actually happens. 
But it led to an interesting question I put on Twitter. said, if Nashville got a third jersey back, what do you want? I've already stated this on this podcast multiple times. I want charcoal, white predator still face, you know, the logo, with gold piping. I don't think you're going to get that. I probably won't, but I want it. Did you, you ever get that one? I remember you saw no, that there's, online. There's one somewhere floating around online that I have to get. I, I'm kind of in your camp, though. I would like to see something a little bit radically different. Yeah. Give me some black or something, because you're you're always familiar with the navy and gold, which is fine, because that's our normal colors. But third third alternate jersey, let it be something crazy. I, w- I would love that. I would love a charcoal. Charcoal is more... Uh, the black is definitely used a lot in the league, so I would prefer a charcoal with the gold, just light gold piping, a nice white logo. It'd look fresh. You could do a lot of things with that. I'm sure you could add some musical flair to it. Maybe put like a... I was thinking sheet music line staffs on some of the webbing in the black. I think it looked kind of cool. Anyway, I got tons of ideas, Adidas. Hit me up on Twitter, <laughs> but we can be in contact and, and work this out. Well, I'm always a fan of the Preds old third jersey, which was the black and blue checks on the bottom with the white piping and the skull on the side. It was always a fun one to have. And my second favorite was Columbus's jersey, which had the cannon on it. You don't like our mustard jerseys? No, I hate the mustard You don't want to bring jersey. the mustard back? Absolutely not. That was a trash jersey. Yeah, That's it, a hot take because some people are really big into those. It had an old logo, too. Yeah. It had a really old school logo, too. But, man, if I have to if I have to say, I want the Coyotes to bring back their... Oh, I bought you jerseys. one. Yes. Oh, they look so good. I bought you a vintage... You oh, know, man. Best I, gift ever. I would love for them to bring that back. And I would like to see Anaheim, maybe the Mighty Ducks logo. I, I think there's some cool vintage ones that they could play off like of. Like the King's Crown. Yeah. The purple. A purple? Mm-hmm. That was yeah, a that'd one. be sweet. I would love to see those again. I'd love to see the vintage jerseys kind of resurface. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the teams take it. But like you said, we really don't know right now if we're getting one. So it's pure speculation. I just want something different. Hence my charcoal. I think Matt wants something different. We just don't want mustard. Preferably not another gold jersey. And looking going forward to Preds news, we don't have a lot because this is kind of like the slow off season for us. You know, we're talking hockey because the Stanley Cup Finals going on, but the Preds really are not expected to make any big move coming up to the summer because let's be honest, guys, we had a pretty stacked team in the regular season and going to the off season didn't roll the dice the best way for us. But you know, I still think coming in the next season, we're not going to see a lot of changes. We've got some draft picks, though. Preds are going to have the third, the fourth, which is from Columbus, the fifth, and Chicago's fifth round. So we got four draft picks coming up. So I'd say we probably need to go look for some more skill and maybe a couple of death players that we can bring up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we kind of restructure everything in the offseason. Uh, it will depend on the signings that we kind of talked about last episode. You're also going to see Hartnell and Fisher gone. You're also going to see... Salty, more than likely, leave, and Emlyn, thank God. I'd say Salty will probably go down to the AHL. More than likely. You could see Freddie Goudreau maybe come up. I would love him to come up and get a shot, especially how well he did during our Stanley Cup run. And dependent on the whole defensive situation and the offseason talk and how they want to kind of restructure something with Fabro, there might be a chance for that. But you also have Daughtry and Carrier sitting in the, you know, in the AHL excellent players we all saw them actually um at the rookie training camp tournament against the lightning it'll be interesting to see what Poyle has up his sleeve i think we don't need to make any drastic changes i think the only change we want to make is the Tavares trade or the signing rather who knows if it's going to happen i don't think that's going to get done 
until much later on in the summer. I think you got to get through the finals. You got to get through some of the oh, yeah. the, the other. Anything happen anytime and, soon. And you know, you know, the Islanders are not going to let them go. I hear Lou is in talks with the Tavares camp on a daily basis now. Of course he is. I don't Why blame would he him. Not? One of the best players in the league. And he's the franchise player of the Islanders. <laughs> what happens if the Islanders lose their franchise player? So you already have problems going to get an arena built for you in Brooklyn. Yeah, it, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. They're wanting to keep him, and something tells me he does stay there. I think he stays. But it seems like Nashville is where he wants to be. So it'll be interesting to see what we can offer him. But at the same time, if they have the, enough cap space... Well, that you know, Duchesne wanted to play here too, so it's not always about where the player wants to go. There's a lot of logistics involved, and uh, oh, that's all I was saying. We got to wait to so. you got to wait for our signings to happen first, and then basically we can present him an offer, yeah. And then from there, it's up to him. Yeah. So see where it the might be, fall. and to be honest, it might be a little less than what he's probably worth. So it'll be interesting if he picks stability over getting that big juicy contract where he's set. Some players prefer, you know, the the lifelong approach, and others might be looking for a cup. So we'll see <laughs> all the drama that will ensue in the Tavar sweepstakes this offseason, which I'm sure we'll update. We'll be doing a couple of special episodes over the summer to, to update on training camps, drafts. It, it, it'll be awesome. So, Yeah, you're talking about a... Svaris and stuff like that, it got me thinking about the stats for people. And so, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, Matt, I know you got stats where we talk about later on, but do you guys have any any particular stat person you'd like to follow to help you with stuff? Oh, yeah. I love uh, The Point, which is a collaboration from Andrew Berkshire and Mike Kelly. I love what the uh, the whole entire presentation that they bring and a video analysis of stats. That's my go-to, my favorite stat people. Yeah, I, I really have enjoyed their visual graphics. I also like Micah. Yeah, yeah. He, he's Ineffect, fantastic. Ineffective math on Twitter. It is. <laughs> he did a detailed explanation one day of his model. Dude knows what he's talking it's about. It's like over my head. Yeah. It's first of all, it's hard to explain on air, but it's basically taking two years worth of data instead of one and basing it on individual. It, it's it's crazy, absolutely crazy in depth, and I think it smooths it out better than a lot of the other models. Having done stats myself, so. Preferably, I prefer looking at his. I think they're some of the best out there. But you know, you're talking about uh, Micah. He's also got a site called uh, called Hockey Biz. Yes, and I love going to, it, especially after press games. And you can look and see where like the actual players have taken shots, and you can see which yeah. ones went in. So you can have like a like a real time. It's a visual analysis of stats. It's fantastic. He he does an excellent job. I mean, we're talking like you can see which players were using defensive zone, which ones were using offensive zone. Mm-hmm. You can see. The shots of what happens when a player isn't an is and off the ice. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's crazy how much calculation is going into some of these sheets that he's providing. So definitely need to check him out. And yeah, it's it's interesting how much of a big factor they're playing in, in hockey these days because just a few years ago, it was just kind of starting out. And now they're really starting to develop programs and how they analyze these statistics and put it together into a model that actually shows you some kind of repeatable results or answers. So the questions these... uh owners and uh, front office people have and and as time moves forward they just keep getting better at providing us this information that at more in-depth analysis and look into the hockey world it's deep analytics on players too and especially for scouting this is oh, incredible yeah. because they're able to quantify stats 
you might look at a player coming up like an RV and you're like, really? Just looking at him on paper? Nothing really special. I mean, especially like physically, like he, he's undersized, smaller than everyone, yet he scored over 30 goals this year for us on $4.5 million. Uh, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. But that's where that stats, the in-depth, detailed, quantitative analysis, they can they can spit that out into something that's more bite-sized for the owners. And you're starting to see that, and you're starting to see more gems appear in the league these hidden players that you didn't see before. Unless you're Florida, who completely botched it last season. Yeah, well, some organizations just can't seem to get it together, and Florida's one of them. Maybe the Hurricanes will do better this year, Kyle. We can hope. Your bubble team. Well, they're talking about Scott Darlin and Cam Ward. The owner, um, the new owner for the Canes has talked about, you know, basically just not necessarily blowing the team up, but, you know, they're hiring, like, a new GM to come in board and stuff like that. Sounds like a Category 5 hurricane coming in <laughs> wow. into town. Really? That's what you want to hear. And they're talking about, you know, what are they going to do with Cam Ward and Scott Darling? And I was like, for the love of God, do not do anything with Scott Darling. Yeah, he's he's going to – he'll be shipped out. It's like, dude can't buy a break. Gets, oh, okay. Gets, gets his starting gig Maybe as, he can as go a backup over... goal – as a starting goaltender and just blows it. Dadgummit, darling. Maybe he can go over to the Oilers or someone, you know, help them out. Oh, Matt's face. Oh. <laughs> They're 30 to 1 cup odds for next year. Matt, you going to hey, take them? Matt, you want to know interesting stuff regarding pick? the uh, Oilers? Capitals Lars Eller has three Stanley Cup final points. <laughs> McDavid has zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me look at some, uh, whatever. That's weighted as all get out. Give me some regular season statistics in here. Get that out of here. Re- regular season statistic number one. Oilers did not make the playoffs. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, the team needs more than McJesus to uh, help oh, wow. them the, to the finals. Who was it? Uh, He's got dry subtle. He's got help. Yeah, Lucic, man. They did signed you him. See that, Lucic uh, was supposed to really help them. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Uh, Sean Tierney is another good guy who's a stat guy, and he, he uh, put out a chart the other day that says – uh, comparing players, and it was his goals above replacement versus cap hit. And if you look at all the players combined in the league on this chart, it looks like a graph, and McDavid is just way up there compared to everybody else in the league. So I don't want to hear it. But is he in the playoffs? Whatever. Get your fancy stats out of here. He's not, not in the playoffs. Not co- he's not competing for a cup. Fancy stats mean nothing at that point is if he's he not big, competing for a cup. A big L. <laughs> yeah, we need some help over there in Edmonton, that's for sure. But speaking of L's, let's go ahead and get into the playoffs, boys. Vegas, game one. We talked about it on the intro of the show. An amazing game. Ten mm. goals. Yeah. Left and right it went for lead changes, which was a first for a Stanley Cup final game. And hey, if you already had dinner, you got a show with the Vegas pregame show. Oh, wow. <sighs> yeah. I will say this. I think a lot of people are giving it crap because no one paid attention to it now. The teams that played Vegas paid attention to it because they had to sit through it. Now you got the entire league watching it, and you're going, wow, this game is set to start at 8 o'clock, and it doesn't start until 8.30. Why? Because you have a 30-minute pregame show? Okay, here's the deal. They sold out on the Knights theme. I liked that. I liked the whole, you know, everything that goes along with the Knights theme. When they start adding a drum line into the middle of the Knights theme, <laughs> it just... It kind of broke the thematic I experience. I play drums, and I don't like it because it's just... It's so weird and out of place. But, it, I mean, I guess that kind of is Vegas, but at the same time, it's like, if you're going 100% on the Knights theme, I don't want to see a marching band and drop a line like, with 
space age goggles yeah. and lights. No, no. Everybody else see... wears like medieval night gear, and then exactly. your space theme goggles kind of break the thematic yeah. experience a little bit for yeah. me. And you know, I like I do like the show. It, it's fun, and entertaining how they fight on the ice, but trying to fight the capital like there's not it's not an animal that you can come slay i thought they were gonna slay an eagle on the ice on memorial day (laughs) how terrible that (laughs) you know i was waiting for that too because i remember like you know it was like the knight took down a jet you can hear you can hear the eagle in the crowd too and i'm like oh my god he was coming down (laughs) it's happening he's gonna slay this eagle right here the center of ice i don't want to say this but does it feel a little Dollywood-ish, like you're at the comedy barn? Like touristy, yeah. yeah. Like you know, it really I've never, did. Been to the, never been to the comedy barn, so I, I, I don't really understand the reference. I feel like you're sitting there eating a you know a meal, and it's down in the bowl, exactly like this. The horses are going around, like the players or the 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 beings on the ice, and uh, it's a little comedy barn-ish. It's a little it's a little Dixie Stampede. I I don't know. It's Vegas. Yeah. I like I like the Knights theme. They're gonna go over the top. Leave the drum line out. I play drums for God's just leave it out. It's just it kind of like interrupts it and you're like, what is going on? And then yeah, you said the the pregame. Then the next game, skipping ahead to game two for a second first, they had uh what's the name of that band? Uh, Imagine Dragons. Yeah. They're uh local to Vegas, so oh. yeah, they so not only did they have the pregame, but then the next uh, the next game, they had that concert, and somebody on Twitter said, imagine dragging out this performance, you know, another 30 minutes. Yeah. I'm yeah. actually not a fan of the band. No. Nah. They're okay. They got good beats. Some of the lyrics are like, well, okay. I didn't care for it. I, I was waiting for the hockey, but yeah, just but, part of the Vegas pregame spectacle. Let me tell you, though, game one had about everything you could possibly want. Drip with action. I mean, dripping with action. It It, it was insane. And, and... Board again. Oh my goodness. First of all, the fourth line. Let's just let's just talk about that first off the bat. The fourth line for Vegas, phenomenal. Oh yeah. I can't believe it. They wrecked the Capitals. They wrecked their first line. Yes, yes, they did. And when you start having a fourth line starting get to get that production, you just start rolling with it. And it's easier for you to do that as a coach because you're you're seeing the production on the ice. That's your fourth line. Yeah, it's like they were looking for that matchup on purpose because of how how much they exposed the, uh, Washington's first line. It was incredible. Yeah, it, it was absolutely insane. I was not expecting that because you're you're expecting the usual suspects. You know, Neil, Carlson, Marshall. You're, you're you're expecting those people to score in the game when Reeves comes out. Absolutely insane. But let me tell you, the first goal was scored by Miller in the first period on the power play on the slap shot. I honestly thought at this point, Caps might be in trouble. Crowd got really rowdy. Coming against a home team that has hardly lost. Yeah. I mean, absolutely insane. I know you have some stats for this. Go ahead. I will say Twitter was talking about uh, last night when they lost their game. That's their third loss in three months. Yeah, at home. They're stupid. One, good. One, one per month. That's right. That's insane. So they're done losing. They came in 13-3, and three, which is ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's like I said the other day, in order for Vegas to lose, they would have to lose more games in one series than they've lost the rest of the playoffs combined. Yeah, yeah you'd have to lose four. That's and crazy. they've only lost three coming in. What do you think the odds of that are? Never tell me I the odds. I don't know, but Capitals stole game two. And they did. And that was on the road. 
Yeah. Which is huge. That was that was the biggest thing for me was Kane Washington steal one of the two games on the road where Vegas did. has dominated and they did what they needed to do. If Washington can go home and take care of business on home ice, Vegas is in trouble. But once Miller scored, I honestly thought the game could get out of hand. They're getting super fast. They were swarming. But then, you know, a couple minutes later, a huge response to come back and tie it by uh, Conley. Off of a deflection, I might add, that was between the legs while Flurry was going from right to left. Absolutely incredible. Excellent goal. And it basically brought life into the Capitals. And at this point, boy, did the game open up. Because just a few minutes later, or actually a minute after that, Backstrom scores on the backhand. Then, three minutes after that, Carlson scores. And that wraps up the first period. And at this point, we're already like four goals deep, two to two. And you knew right then this this game was about to get out of hand. Oh, yeah. And you also noticed the refs weren't barely calling anything either. They swallowed the whistle, which kind of liked... Let them be really physical at some times. I thought the Capitals could have been more physical, which they were in game two, especially their forecheck. That's neither here here or there. And there was also some questionable calls in game two with some injuries. And uh, well, it it looks like they're letting them play in this series, which is kind of nice. But to open up the second period, (laughs) Vegas scores. So now they're up. This is by Smith from Marcheseau as well on a wrist shot. Three minutes in. Then you get another response from Washington by Carlson. Three to three. All right, well, let's keep moving on. Wilson scores. Now the Capitals are up four to three. And this is a tip in, by the way. And this is all going into the third. This is this is insane. Because you have Wilson, Reeves, and Nosick score within about seven minutes of each other. But the goal that really stood out to me was the Reeves goal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For a couple of reasons. That was a goal that I love that Twitter's reaction. Everybody, it was like the if you were not a Vegas fan, everybody was like, that's a penalty. That's a straight up penalty because Holby was not prepared for Reeves to make that cross check and had no time to react. The refs were like right there because when you're that close to the goal line, the ref is standing there watching it. You're like, why didn't you call that? The, the caps were livid and on this one I have to admit for due reason I saw the goal and it happened split second I mean it was bang bang Reeves nets it I mean absolutely top corner you couldn't have picked a perfect spot man and I'm like wow what an excellent goal and then the replay happened (laughs) and then I look over at Matt and Matt just kind of grits his teeth like oh he might have got away with one you know the Capitals totally had a grief totally had a big gripe in the end, did it matter as much? Probably n- not too much. The game might have been tied, so you can argue, you know, swings either one way or the other with how crazy this game had been going back and forth. Who knows who could have won? But it was not the game winner. But man, you got to make that call. One of the big themes this entire playoff, I mean, even in the regular season, now in the postseason, is like how bad the officiating is. I mean, you you see it every year, but every year you're like, it can't get any worse. And somehow every year, it gets worse. Yeah. 
And oftentimes what you're seeing in the finals is one bad call. It's not just like a blown high stick in the corner boards. It's, it's a goal. It's a goal. Which and it was huge. like less than a second after that. He knocks the guy down, cross checks, and then pockets the top shelf on the corner. Just a perfect shot goal within two seconds. And you because can't of a challenge that. Right. And once again, Twitter breaks down. I mean, it, it's literally, I saw Preds fans on there, Supers. I mean, it, and I get it. But it's like, oh, you don't want to see that happen in a finals game. You got flashbacks of the game one of the Stanley Cup final between Pittsburgh and Nashville. Uh, game six, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we had a goal waved off just because the ref couldn't see the puck because he was at the wrong angle. Well, it makes you. The goal line ref was, you know, like where the linesman should have been. Because that makes sense. He's not behind the goal seeing the puck trickle in. You almost think that they need a fifth person on the ice just to sit there and watch and double-check people. Like, I know that would never happen because at that point, that's too many people yeah, on the ice. Yeah, the problem is but there's you're like, no space. There's no space, but what do you have to do? Do we have to have refs start wearing body cameras? I, I, I don't know. Well, at least you've heard they're talking about putting some new technology in the puck, at least for those goal-line calls. But that's still only half the battle, if you say that might be half the call. Still, the other half is is the blown calls on cross-checks and, and – uh, in, uh, offsides is another big one, you know. I don't know. I don't know how you can mess offsides up. It literally is, were you over the line for the puck was? Then you're offsides. Well, you make it sound so simple, Kyle. But when you're like a millisecond. Apparently, we don't know what offsides is because. No, no, that's goaltender interference, Matt. And I'm surprised oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that that's we have not seen we have a not, goaltender interference call yet. I, I, I think coaches are like, you do not touch the goalie. Like, I swear, if you touch the goalie, you're getting pulled out of the game because at this point, it's like, I don't know. I haven't seen even a close to questionable one, especially in the two games in the finals, but uh, especially the the conference the conference rounds. I, I actually didn't see very much of those at all. So hopefully that doesn't play a factor in this series. I hope I don't have to talk about a questionable goaltender interference call for yeah, the rest those, of the season. Those burn me up so bad, man. <laughs> You know, you're talking about questionable stuff. You know who was quiet the entire game one? My boy Ovechkin was quiet. He was. He was and quiet. you will know who made him quiet the entire night? Former Capitals demon Nate Schmidt drew him on the assignment, and goodness, he kept him off the board the entire night. I was impressed with that. Did you think he had a little bit of extra, you know, oh, yeah. gas in the tank, a little fire going because That's it's that. his former team? Oh, yeah, it's Nate Schmidt revenge game. Yeah. It was it was pretty impressive. I thought though they did focus so much on Ovi that what happened was you saw all the yeah. other players start to score, even though Kuznetsov actually didn't score in the first game. So that was kind of shocking, in my opinion. So overall, it's great to see the extra the extra support players start to pick it up for the Capitals because they're going to need that. It was a little too little, too late because you know at the end there was this gorgeous back post shot that just. No one was guarding. It looked like Shifley all over again in the Preds series. It must be a thing, Matt, that that side of the net. I know it. I don't know. Yeah, it was an absolutely gorgeous pass. Nosek just buries it. I mean, you could see it coming from a mile away. As soon as he passed the, passed the puck, we were all like already halfway up off oh, the yeah, couch. Oh, yeah, I was because, already off the couch. Because you knew it was going in. There's no chance from that range. Hope he was not going to get it. There was not going to be a miraculous save. And sure enough, that's the game winner. And then Nozick Kelsall has a empty netter. 
a few minutes later, and that seals it for a 6-4, 10-point final game one. You couldn't ask more for a game one, man. That was awesome hockey right there. It's It's got the makings of like a very classic series, especially because it's two teams. They each have their own history, both going for the first cup, one being the team that's not made it this far in 20 years, and the other team making it their first year. So history's getting made regardless. Yeah, somebody on Twitter was talking about this. They said how good this is for the sport and as far as viewership and watchability because it is so interesting as opposed to the NBA. I'm not a basketball person, but somebody said that's been the same teams in the finals for four like four years, years in a row. Four straight years. How boring the is that? same two, two teams. teams. Boring. Cavs and the Warriors. You know, at least we got different teams against the Penguins. Yeah. And they only did it two years in a row. It's the same two teams four years in a row. Yeah, this is way better to watch, man. It's much more interesting and exciting. Something new you've never seen. How often do you see an expansion team come into the finals, you know? That's uh, that's good stuff to watch right uh, there. Charles well, Barkley last year. You remember oh, yeah. that, that whole thing Forgot where he was that. like, oh, I don't even want to watch the NBA. I just want to watch NHL because it's way more exciting. Of course, NHL hockey is literally the best in my, I mean, probably biased, but the best most energetic oh yeah definitely experience you can have in a playoff setting and of course with the predators in and making a deep run too he shows up at bridgestone he's having a great time so it, but no let's one remember wants to watch. that vegas isn't supposed to be here and there are people still super salty about this even when vegas won their first game the saltiness is still there yeah everyone's saying leagues you know basically fixing the game because they missed the call. And I'm like, you know, the game is fast. I understand that. Just whatever. Just get over it. It's a bunch of Caps fans and Predators fans, I might add, because, you know, all the Predators fans jumped on the Capitals bandwagon because of Barry Trotz. So, well, if you're going to talk about missed calls, okay, yeah, you didn't call Reeves, but the Capitals got away with one too. Tom yep. Wilson didn't, didn't get called for his, his hit on Marshall. Tom, Tom Wilson. Oh, yeah. Tom Wilson's wrecking people i mean that was a super late hit that's a interference call that should have been called and they didn't call it so eye for an eye you guys get a goal <laughs> y'all have a really late hit yeah. we're just gonna look the other way <laughs> and and this adds to the ongoing discussion about concussions and about how it has brain injuries long term in the game and, and this is what you want to eliminate fighting is fine because as far as you ask me a hand-to-hand fight you know you some bare knuckles that's that's willingly but when you get blindsided and you know you go out for this guy didn't go out for concussion but so many times players get hurt and injured and they didn't see it coming adds to the to the head trauma this is what we want to try to eliminate from the game and it's it's unfortunately been seen more than once or twice in tom wilson's case well you're seeing people get i think we alluded to it earlier in the year the repetitive concussion syndrome right Uh, the difference with the fight is both players initiate the fight and they're generally can protect themselves to some degree, and a fist to the face is not as bad as yeah. getting cross-checked into the board yeah. from behind, where your neck is like it's not being nearly as traumatic. Snapped in half. It's 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 not the same. So I I completely agree. I, I don't want to see it, but at the same time, both teams had two pretty obvious calls in the game that were kind of left alone. Yeah, I've actually got a couple quotes from some of the players who were interviewed after the game asked about it. And I know Ryan Reeves was the first one up, and he said, referring to the hit, he said, you know, it was a late blind sight hit like Wilson always does again. And Marcia was asked about it. He said, you know, it was a couple seconds late, not just a couple milliseconds. It was a couple seconds. And I don't really have to talk about it because the league's going to take care of it. 
Well, that's a nice optimistic. Hey, the league did not yeah, take care of it. Didn't happen. I would love to see a follow-up comment from him. Right. Um, also, well, so they said, well, let's take that rebuttal. Let's ask Tom Wilson about that hit. He said, <laughs> he, I like it's just almost poetry the way he frames it up. I, somebody had to write this speech for him. He says, when you play my physical style, you're going to have that reputation. I trust myself. I play the game hard. It's my job to bring that energy and physicality. That's hilarious. Um, right after the hit, he got up and said, good hit. I really doubt that's what happened. <laughs> he probably got up and was like, what the... F yeah, I'm sure there was some choice words. Yeah, but it wasn't good hit. Or he might have said good hit, but it might have been like, good hit, like sarcastic, yeah. like, come on, bro. Like, why would you hit me like that? So I actually like to kind of recap pretty much everybody's opinion on Tom Wilson and this style of hit, this dirty <laughs> hit. Andrew Berkshire on Twitter had a great quote. I wrote it all down. He said... You know, it bugs me when people say that Wilson has a reputation because reputation implies opinion and belief, but Wilson has a long and easy-to-look-up history Track of record. dirty, dangerous, and careless hits. So he actively endangers other players on purpose. And here's here's the meat of the story. He doesn't have a reputation. He has a track record. Yeah, I just I yeah. was like, it's it's track record at yeah. this point. This you is, can see it lined up, all of his offenses. It's like Marchand, too. Yeah, Litgate. Which is not even really that <laughs> bad, other than PTSD, weird. But... Yeah, other than being completely weird, you you have a laundry list. Basically, you could make a Wilson and Marchand timeline of games when they've you know made an offense or a foul or a dirty hit. So it happens often. It happens frequent, and I really don't understand why the league doesn't punish those players more. Like, especially repeat offenders. Because those are obvious. That goes back to our Forsberg suspension this year exactly. with the butt check. Oh, yeah. First of all, a reverse butt check that happens to hit his face and... Whatever. He had his head down too low. And first time it's offender. a first-time offender, and you're going to give him three games? Where Marchand was boarding someone the next game, and he got, he got nothing. Like, it, it's kind of weird, and even if you find a guy, the max is like twenty grand, and that equates to like fourteen dollars in. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I did the math one day. I can't remember our text, but it was something hilarious. Yeah, it was basically lunch money for them. Yeah, not a big deal. They're gonna blow it on one meal after a game, you know. Well, so, like I've always said throughout the season, anytime we've talked about, you know, on the Preds or a different team, is that at the end of the day, you are responsible for your body is in the ice. If you cause the offense, you're responsible for how you hit them. If you receive the hit and you are down too low and get the brunt of the hit by accident, well, you're still responsible for your body was. Yeah, if you stick your face near, you know, the stick or the skate blades or knees, and like you're asking for it. But I, I don't know. With Wilson, it's it's a little different situation. He he's actively seeking people to wreck. <laughs> I mean, he really is, and they're late hits too. That's the thing that gets me. People that don't have the puck with their back turned, those are the most dangerous hits. And Wilson seems to always be the one doing it. Well, to bring things back to a little bit of a lighter topic, if you look at some of the successes of, we mentioned Vegas won that game. So one thing that was very interesting is that both Vegas and Washington in the playoffs created more scoring chances in transition than any other team did. But Washington was held to zero rush chances on net in transition in game one. That's the first time that's happened this postseason. They were shutting down Washington's offensive production 
shutting them down. And we alluded to it earlier, one quick stat about the Vegas's fourth line versus Washington's first line. It was Mike Kelly who mentioned the stat. He said they both had seven shots on goal, Washington's first line and Vegas fourth. But Vegas had six shots from the slot and Washington only had two. So almost doubling their production. And it's insane that Washington ended up scoring four goals too in that oh, game. Oh, yeah. That was that was the most impressive. The stats didn't really back up the amount of goals they scored. So they were very opportunistic yeah. when they did have a chance to my, score. My stat says that it was actually, they had seven shots from the inner slot, Washington did, and they converted on four of seven of those for goals. Excellent. That was very opportunistic on their part. Also, we uh, haven't quite talked about Holtby's performance yet, but it was, I saw on Twitter, Dom Lustician's collaboration with Natural Stat Trick, he produced this uh, chart that shows a game score for each player and how well they performed based on some of his statistics he puts in. And <laughs> he actually had your boy Holtby as the worst player on the yeah. ice that game. Yeah. I'm not surprised. He was pretty bad. Well, both Colton. Yeah, they both Colton yeah, they were bad. Both were neither. That I mean, great. even Matt was looking over and like, you know, Matt was very high on Flurry, even in the Vesna talks earlier this year. And he, even he was kind of shaking his head. There was just some that were like, man, you're way out of position or you're you're too antsy or you're not anticipating something right. It, the goaltenders had a rough first night, so I expected both of them to rebound in game two, and they did. But let's be honest, your goaltender's percentage as the worst player will go down if you're giving up slot shots if your team is not helping you out there. So. Yeah, and... Phew. But you know, you're talking about goaltenders. Holtby did rebound in game two. In a big way. Oh my gosh! That, and we'll talk that about that. Safe. And if, we'll, we'll talk. Shh, calm <laughs> down, from zero to hero. I'm Just over here. Calm, I'm over here clutching down. my heart because it was so awesome. And calm down. Look, you get hey, Matt, out of here. But they What's they the, they come this. back. <laughs> get out of no, here! No, stop doing the crane, Sally. <laughs> I'm moving on. So they come back in a huge way, and take a game in Vegas, which we mentioned has not happened very often. It's one one a month per quota. Three to two. Did not look like it was going to start off. We get a text. I think Kyle and I, I can't remember where we're at. We're at Thai Spice. Yes, we were. We were eating delicious Thai food. We were trying to hurry up and get, you know, get it wrapped up so we could come home and finish watching the game. And uh, Matt simply states, Neil scores a goal. And of course, and of course, like he's trying to rub it in at this point. <laughs> like, like, it doesn't sound like me. Like, oh yeah, Neil scores a goal. I want to say though, it is absolutely beautiful oh, yeah. it is it yes. is it's vintage james neal and preds fans everywhere cried a little bit yeah i, I mean it, it was flashes of vintage neal it was absolutely fantastic he somehow chips the puck over you know in, over the defender beautifully fields it and then just slots it in the top i mean top right corner upper 90 off the post I off think the it post was and in you could not get any nicer of a shot and when I saw this on Twitter, looking at all the gifts, I, I was kind of worried because I knew, you know, Vegas's track record at home. But, you know, somehow they responded. And, they and this it has out. been the thing for both teams. I think this has been the biggest theme. When one team scores, the other has a pretty quick response, or with at least within the period. They're, yeah. they're not letting the game continue on and drag out. They come back. And I let think me, it was... Even I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but Vegas more times than not scored back within two minutes. Yes, and that was a lot in the Winnipeg series. Yeah, but you had Eller, the unsung hero of the game, 
who has not done a lot of offensive production, I might add, for stepped the up in a huge way. Stepped up in a huge way in this game. So he scores in the first period to tie it up. At this point, I'm thinking, you know, they might have a chance. We'll, we'll see. Not liking the track record. But then we get into the second period, and they get a power play. And guess who showed up in a huge way for the first time in the second period, Kyle? I'm going to go with number eight. Alexander Ovechkin, am he I right? He sure did on the power play with a gorgeous pass. Oh, and beautiful slap, pass. I mean, absolutely. Just fooled the entire defense. There's no one on the back, which, by the way, always blows my mind that Ovechkin is somehow always on the back post wide open. That's his on spot. Ev- on every power play. And everybody knows it's coming. You just can't it, stop it. It's him. like clockwork. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't get you it. You know you score so much from a spot when the NHL just refers to it as your office. Yeah, Ovi's office. Yeah, it it, it really is. Uh, he was a little closer than normal this time, but, <laughs> I mean, to be that close and not have a body on Ovi, I'm like, you're asking for it. Uh, the Knights' defense was totally broken down on the play, but... They got routed. Yeah, g- give credit to Backstrom on that one. Backstrom and also Eller. On another assist, so having a great night so far, comes in in a big way and gets the power play goal, putting them up 2-1. to one. At this point, thinking they might have a chance. But then, uncharacteristic, you know, uncharacteristic of the series, the next goal wasn't Vegas. It was actually the Capitals. And that, I thought, was the biggest, uh, that was the biggest takeaway from the game, that they didn't have a response that period. Yeah. And because of that, I honestly think that's what cost them the game. But you had Eller again on an assist with Burkowski to, who is it, Kyle? Brooks Orpik. Brooks Orpik. Who, by the way, finally broke his 220 goal drought. You want to elaborate on this? This is insane. 220 game? Yeah, he's pretty much went 220 games without a goal. That, that's and insane. And he finally got a goal. <laughs> I don't even want to look at what his salary is. And... He happens to do it in the finals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going to get a goal, you might you as well do it get in the final. Now. So, uh, one of the more unlikely goals to happen, happened, and that puts them up 3-1. to one. And it was kind of a little too little too late for Theodore in the third to score the, the Vegas' well, <laughs> second goal. Literally, Matt's waving bye-bye. Oh, I'm waving 5-5. Five, five. He makes $5 million a year. $5 million. Mm. Yep. 200-and-something games? Yeah, but... 228 games without sorry a goal. To That's ridiculous, by the way. You talk about a... Oh, man. That is insane. RV scores 30 goals a year at 4.5 million. So, anyway. Game is basically over at this point. That leads us to the third period, which I made it home for. And I'm so glad I did. Because it was absolutely intense. Back-to-back, non-stop action. First of all, Capitals, I do want to point out, four checked way better in this game. Oh, they did. A lot better. That was the main reason why they won, and I guarantee you Barry Trotz is going to be rolling that game plan forward for the next couple games at home because you're already going to have more energy being at home. You're going to be pumped up. Similar strategy. Watch it in game three. Sidebar done, but we get to the third period. They scared me a little bit because they start the period and they take two penalties almost off the bat. And they get a five-on-three for a minute to the Knights, and they could not convert. And that's when I knew the Knights were in trouble because they couldn't get the answer quickly. Eventually, they did score with Theodore. But 
But, 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 the play of the night happens with about two and a half minutes left. And I quite honestly, I, I was sitting here watching on my couch, and I could not believe what I saw. First of all, they dump it in around the boards. Pretty standard. And the boards have been pretty much the same all night. And yeah, I think even Hopi said they, they'd been pretty true the entire night. Yeah, post-game he did. It takes a weird bounce off, of, off, off, off the end board. Next thing we know, Holpe's looking at a puck coming across diagonally on the goal with a knight on either side. First of all, pass was excellent on the back post. But what I could not believe was the fact that Holpe went from left to right, swinging only but a paddle on a wide empty net and stops the puck in midair. And first of all, he elevated the puck, Matt. A little bit, yeah. He did. A, I mean, a little he's, bit. he was too close. We yeah, even talked about it. As much as he could, it, I guess. You know what's funny is if he's further off the net, that's a goal. Yeah. Because the puck was tailing up. He did elevate it. It wasn't flat. Yeah. What was crazy is that his paddle wasn't flat on the ice. It was like no. four inches four up. Four inches, and so. that's where the puck was. Yep. The freaking lucky is what that is. Or awesome. A little bit of both. You got to make your own luck because he, first of all, he was still in the crease. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. he, he could have bit easily on the guy on the left. He stayed put and then just reacted right. Yeah. So just straight he, instinct. He gave himself the, I would say this, it was very lucky, but he gave himself the best chance. Yeah. That, w- that was better than Pekka's knob save. Yeah, but he was in the crease and he actually saw it. Yeah. So like. But I'll, I'll give Holtby credit. That, that was a great. Save. Go to be in a in win position and that positioning oh, saved you right Knights there. fans behind the net were already up celebrating. And then all of a sudden you see the two hands on the head like, oh no, how did you say? <laughs> and first of all, Ovi's reaction oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was like pure shock. I uh, love his post game when they asked him about it. He said, thank God he's our goalie. There was some meme going around that said when you had a long night at the club and it had Ovi like, Grasping his face like, oh my goodness, it it it, it was insane. But now you're talking about how good Holpe was. Mike Kelly from the point had a really good thing to say about him. Not only about how Matt he was no not the worst player. Guess what he was, Matt? He was the best player. If you could freeze time, I wonder what the Vegas odds would have been on Braden Holpe making that save about one second before he did. Zero? Less than zero? Holy crap, that was a ridiculous save. All Alex Tuck had to do was tap it in. Just tap it in. Not on Braden Holpe's watch. Holpe was unreal in game two. 37 saves, which is the most he's had in a regulation game all playoffs. But I want to dig into where Holpe really stole the show. On the penalty kill. The Caps were shorthanded five times and had to kill a five on three for the first time in the playoffs. Holpe was dialed in. 11 saves on the penalty kill, the most he's had in a playoff game this year. And these weren't muffins from the point either. Holpe stopped all six shots he faced from the slot on the penalty kill, also a playoff high for him. The five on three kill in the third period was critical to the Caps win, and Holpe, sorry, Holt Beast was their best player. Yeah, it's interesting contrasting game one to game two because I honestly thought he was one of the worst players on the ice, and then he turns around and he's one of the best players on the ice in game two. So congrats to him for an excellent rebound game. And he stole it. You could see that when he made that save, I knew that the game was over because the bench was instantly lifted. They they were juiced to get that win. And when they finally won and the clock expired, 
it was like pure relief. Like they knew how big that win was to get one in Vegas because they don't lose in Vegas often. And they know they're going home and they got a shot now. Yeah, I almost feel like going into the third, Vegas kind of knew they were beat because Vegas had five power, as he mentioned, five power play opportunities and Holtby stopped all of the, he stopped all six shots in the slot. You kind of knew that you just weren't beating Holtby. You had a five on three, couldn't capitalize on it. And towards the last half of the period there, Vegas was held without a shot on net for something like 10 minutes and some change. So they just couldn't get it done. Credit Braden Holtby, man. He put a show together. But Kyle, is that inconsistency? Game one, he was like the worst player. Game two, great. What do you think moving forward? Can, is that repeatable? What's he going to be like going forward? Well, the same thing he said about Flurry in Vegas. <laughs> it's the exact It's the exact same thing. Your goaltenders, they're both good goaltenders. They would not be in the finals if they weren't good goaltenders. I think by themselves, they'll do good. But you also got to look about their team as a whole playing in front of them. If they keep giving up slot shots like they did for the first and second game, one of them's going to eventually break. I also want to point out, Holtby had two back-to-back shutouts to get oh, the yeah. Capitals to the finals against the Lightning, That's right. who are and this, arguably a more talented team offensively. Yeah, that was so, crazy. Hadn't had a shutout all year, and then comes in two the last two games to against get the Lightning. Man. And you got Flurry. He's had multiple shutouts this season too. Talk about getting hot at the right time, though. I have to. So agree. that's what I'm saying. Holtby is trending up right now, where Flurry, on the other hand, does not look like he is in that you know beginning yeah. of the playoff form that he was in and i also think that is kind of that alludes to our attrition war that we talked about where he was out because of injury so i thought that helped him to be more sharp the second half of the season and the first several rounds of the playoffs i think now you're starting to see him get a little tired but the real question is can the knights just hold out long enough to get through the finals now you got just three more wins you need can you string together three more wins? Well, it's going to be interesting going forward because you look at the star players. One thing we hadn't quite talked about is the Kuznetsov injury. You let Lars Eller steps up and scores big and pretty much wins you the game. Hope he played great, but Eller was pretty much the star of the show. With those big players being out, Kuznetsov out now, he was the big dog. He came in to that game. He had 11 point, uh, eleven game point streak, and he, in the playoffs through their 20 games, he had 25 points. If they're big players, he's day-to-day, so he may or may not be ready for Game 3. If they don't produce, if Hope, uh, if uh, Ovechkin doesn't produce, does that hurt them depth-wise? Because your star players need to be the star players, but if you look at Vegas's roster, they really do everything by committee. They have actually had 10 different players score their game-winning goals in 13 wins this postseason. So... That might be something that hurts Washington if they just have an off night in the next game or two. It seems that Vegas' depth, doesn't matter who's playing, they got they can make it happen on any line. It's going to be interesting to see. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm absolutely excited for Game 3 in Washington. You know Washington's going to be absolutely insane to actually get to the finals for the first time in 20 years. They're going to relish it. I think the adrenaline's going to be there. I really think they're four-track forecheck is going to be strong again as it was in game two it'll be interesting to see which goaltender shows up though and never tell me the odds but according to nhl public relations the winner of game two in the stanley cup finals has gone on to hoist the stanley cup 74 percent of the time 
<laughs> like a guy. Kyle just perked up big time. I thought he'd like that one. Well, thank you. I appreciate that for the crap you give me. <laughs> for the crap you give me. But like I said, it's sitting based on the last hundred years here. Where it's just one series we're talking about, Kyle. So I don't know. To borrow a line from Chicago, all you need is one goal. <laughs> well, it's a best of five series now, but the most important thing will be for them to capitalize on home field advantage and route the Knights. Don't know if it's going to be a route, but I would like to see Flurry stay in his crease a little bit more in this next game. Wouldn't yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, that one play was way too aggressive. He really overcommitted and left his net wide open. But Kyle, we kind of know this, but who you got winning the cup? We haven't mentioned it on air, I don't think, recently. Capitals all the way, baby. All right. The, the interesting point is Daniel. I don't know his opinion yet. I know you said Vegas. Okay. Oh, no, I'm definitely I, I said Vegas originally, and I'm on the fence now because I honestly thought the Capitals would not be able to win in Vegas, and it changes almost everything. Well, Barry Trotz did say that they were ready to get back to D.C. from Caven in Vegas, and I can only assume that meant that he didn't let the boys go out and get the casino or anything and kept them in the room. Oh, yeah. You know Trotz was, was on lockdown. He, he probably was that, uh, you know, that over-eager and over-protective chaperone kind of patrolling the halls after the game. But, yeah, I, I guarantee you the boys are focused because they know what's at stake. So they're not going to blow it on one night in Vegas to lose the cup. Well, like I said, between Vegas's depth and them only having lost three games this postseason, I'm picking them. I, I, I think they got it. But we'll have to see. Holtby's been hot, baby. And you know Ovechkin, this is his time to shine. Yeah, I'm I'm completely on the fence. This now. is going to be such a good. It's going to be so. I can't wait for game three, because you know, Ovi at home. Like if you start if you start taking penalties too, I think that's the big thing for the Knights. You cannot take penalties at this point because at home, that power play is ridiculous. Is they are going to be good. juiced, and Ovi is going to be slinging those BBs from the point. Just oh, it's going to be so good. He's got his, he's got his name literally in the off net left circle because that's where he hangs out. I'm just saying, as far as players that deserve a cup left, I, I, I want Ovi to win it so bad because you can tell, like this year, you can tell he just wants it more than anything because he doesn't know how many more years of production he's going to be able to continue this 40-goal-a-year streak and can you keep a team together You know, this good year after year. Well, they said that this has been the worst Capitals team in a while. Oh, and another thing. You know how Vegas has been the best expansion team this year, winning 51 wins. Contrast that to when the Capitals were an expansion team in 74. They only got eight wins. They are supposedly historically the worst team ever. Well, I'm calling it now. When Seattle jumps in, they're going to surpass 51 wins their uh, first season. Oh, whatever. I honestly think you'll see GMs hedge their bets more ahead of the Seattle draft to prevent another Vegas incident. So... You mean where they got fleeced? Part of that was good I don't picks. Think, yeah, they and part didn't get of that, fleeced. And then on top of that, they built a team and a structure to get the players to gel more quickly. I, I think they play a very basic style of hockey, and I think that worked to their advantage with all these misfits, as they call them. Yeah, we were looking at some of the stats the other day, uh, specifically William Carlson. Last year only had six goals. This year, 43. That's who's, like who's seven guess times that? as Seven much. times. Yeah, we were talking about and that game one. Seven a, times. As a team whole, Vegas, between their top scorers, last year had 416 points. This year, 707. 
<laughs> They're saw, just, you it makes saw, you wonder, man. It makes you wonder just how good were these Vegas players being basically uh, stuck on a third and fourth line or even some cases going down to the AHL. Now they're all on team, and you're like, these guys were actually really good. Nah, I, Welcome I, to the salary cap era. It's going to be interesting to see what they have to do this year when a lot of them go unrestricted, how they're going to yeah. restructure the team. I think you might see a completely different lineup for Vegas next year, which is going to be very interesting to see how they deal with that kind of change. But here's a fun stat for you. So saw this stat online. This was actually from ESPN. Alexander Ovechkin has 1,003 games. The Golden Knights, only 82 in existence. Do you know how many wins Ovechkin has? 551 wins by himself. The Knights have 51 as a franchise. Ovi has 607 goals. And the Knights have 268 as a franchise. (laughs) That stat blew my mind because Alexander Ovechkin has more Lifetime stats than the entire franchise for the Golden Knights. Yet, here they are in the finals, facing off. Well, we will see what happens on Game 3 Saturday night. Who do you got winning it, boys? I'm going to have to go with the Capitals for Game 3. Matt? Vegas, baby. <laughs> Capitals, 2-1. to one. We win, Matt. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I've been wrong the entire series. I've been wrong about the Knights the entire time. So, I honestly think that this... This series could go to six or seven games now, just looking at it. So I'm glad it's not going to be a quick series, and I'm just ready for more finals hockey because the first two games were absolutely incredible. Definitely, and we can't wait to talk about more. Like we said, game three is on Saturday night. This episode should come out on Saturday, so if it's a Saturday when you listen to this, awesome. If it's a Friday, even better. you got time to think about it. But if you want to follow the show, you can find us on Twitter at MusicCityGold. You can find me at Kyle Hancock. Matt Bain with all his coffin can be found on MattBain31. Daniel can be found at CDanDrum. Not CDanRum is an old joke we got on the show. Yes, thank you. But that being said, guys, thanks for listening. This has been Music City Gold for part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You guys have a great week. We will see you on the ice.